Hello and welcome to a new episode of Other Record Labels. I'm your host, Scott Orr, where we talk about the art and culture of running an independent record label. And today, I have a label called ATA Records uh, on the show. And, and I met Neil from ATA um, a couple of months ago. We were doing a clarity call and he reached out to me and we were chatting about his his business and, and he has a recording studio and they ATA stands for All Things Analog. And so this it's this very vintage authentic analog recording studio that makes incredible funk and soul and hip-hop and jazz and this incredible music and this really high quality music and then he's you know over the past seven or eight years he's kind of evolved it into also being a record label and they're extremely successful and we talk about this with neil about how he maybe doesn't see how great things are going but from my perspective he's cultured a really uh or he's nurtured a really uh interesting tribe of followers on Bandcamp of people who really enjoy this analog music pressed to vinyl uh, and and just how authentic it sounds and he's really growing a tribe and he's growing a following of, for this kind of music and so that's what we camp out on in, in today's episode is around um, finding you know identifying your niche and then kind of celebrating your niche and, and nurturing the people who also enjoy that niche and, and and to finding more of those people and that's what we also talk about in this week's newsletter which is record label insights and you heard me talk about this recently but this is our new format for a newsletter and our first issue went out last week and a new issue comes out this week and the feedback on the first issue was insane and it was very, very encouraging and inspiring. So I hope that you are finding this new format helpful. If you're not on our mailing list, then I don't know what's going on, but you should just go to otherrecordlabels.com slash insights. That's otherrecordlabels.com slash insights to make sure you're on our mailing list. You know what I was thinking? I was going to ask you um, if you were, I know you're recording your audio for me, which is nice. Yes. And I was wondering if you were recording it to tape. Oh, man. I'd love <laughs> Wouldn't that to, be yeah. cool? The first uh, I would love to do that. podcast? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I could oh, record gonna, it to my little happen task soon. cam. Yeah, it'd be really good. I like the idea of being able to order it as well and you get it on a wee sort of yes. uh, five-inch reel in the post. Yeah, yeah. I should release some like greatest hits of the podcast on, on cassette. I think that could be kind of fun as a little fun. Yeah, that'd be really good. Yeah, I'd like the that. The problem with, if we were to record to the same tape player, it would be fine, but the problem would be the timing, right? Because if like, yes. we'd have to get the speeds just perfect or over the hour, our conversation would would separate <laughs> yeah and the um if you're using like quarter inch tape for example like i started off on a quarter inch eight track yeah. and uh, a quarter inch tape stretch on an eight track or sorry on a quarter inch is can be pretty bad can okay. be pretty bad but on like a two inch machine it's it's pretty good right right i recorded one time i was working on a record and i thought i would bounce out the all of the drums to a task cam four track recorder in stereo and then mm. um, it just to kind of, and then record it to tape and then bounce it back into Pro Tools so that I could use the, it would have the the busted up tape sound and then the a little bit yeah, of the yeah. EQ. But like playing it back, the timing was gone. So, yeah. I, and I mean, for drums, that's really important. And so <laughs> it, it just, it, it never worked. I ended up having to do, I just did the whole mix down altogether, which sounded good, mm. but yeah, yeah. But I was hoping to just bounce the drums and then send them back in. But yeah, that just the timing, even if it's just a hair off or yeah, if it fluctuates. It's a nightmare, isn't it? Yeah. 
Uh, anyway, I'm excited to chat with you. And I remember, you know, when we talked a couple months ago uh, on that clarity call, I remember just thinking, oh, we got to do a podcast because this is a very interesting story and an interesting label. And I'm, I, I, it falls in line with the type of labels that I encourage people to make, which is something that is hmm. niche and very specific. Yeah. And so tell us what makes your label unique because that's where I want to start. And I, I, I was just really amazed with what you had done and, and more so, you know, it's easy for one, it's easy to, to, to pick a niche in a certain way and to kind of create something that you're passionate about, but then to find people who are also passionate about it and want to give you money in exchange for that. Um, so kind of tell, tell me a little bit about uh, what it is that makes your label unique. That's where I want to start. I think, um, so one of the aspects that we sort of like the the road we go down is I love tape machines. I, lo I love recording <laughs> analog and it's kind of everything I've been into kind of comes from that era where where tape machines were, you know, or analog recording was kind of at its height. Yeah. So I've spent the last, I don't know, 15 years or so collecting loads of vintage recording equipment to... Uh, because there wasn't really any studios around where we are that, you know, I could just nip into and, and do analog recording. So we just kind of thought, we'll build our own. Um, and then as the record label developed, like they, these things just sort of grow and develop over time, don't they? Um, I'm, my sort of uh, history or, or, or time in the city that I'm in, I'm here because I'm a musician and I studied music in Leeds in the UK. Um, and it's a fantastic city that's it's kind of in this sort of golden zone of not too big and not too small, but it has this uh, college of music where loads of people have just like, these incredible jazz musicians have come year after year after year, just like sediment since the late 60s. Hmm. So it's it's got this incredibly rich music scene. Um, so I've never left and the label, what I, what I wanted to start building was something a bit like, like taken from like the idea of Motown or Stax, right. where you've got these, and this is what I noticed. So like in my working life, you know, going out and doing gigs and bars and everything, you're playing with these guys who are just like, these guys are world-class, like world-class right. musicians. And we live, I guess, not really in a place in in the UK that's got too much sort of attention on it or something mm -hmm. like that. You know, yeah. it's not London yeah. or something. Yeah. So there's all these guys like just living within, you know, the vicinity, you know, of the studio to work together. So with the label, we kind of have like Motown or something, this regular rhythm section or regular players or contributors to uh, the music that we make. And it's one thing I have noticed about, and there's obviously there's quite a few labels now that are doing this, like, and we're doing it way, you know, before I was, mm. like Daptone or Big Crown over in, in America. Um, and so we, we don't have labels in the same way anymore where you've got a, a real solid sound that belongs to the label. Yeah. Like having their own recording studio, yeah, for example. That's right. So... It's like I wanted to create this sound. I wanted to, to record in this certain way. And I'm always chasing this sound, you know, or, or this kind of vibe 
or or way of creating music, you know, that really really affects you, you know, when you listen to stuff. Yeah. Um, you mm. know, so that that's what we're kind of se- kind of setting out to do. And like the guys that surround the label, they've kind of we've been working together now, you know, since before the label was put together, you know, and things like that. And yeah. we're actually mixing one of the first albums that I ever did, you know, in in twenty ten. Uh, I'm mixing it, uh, remixing it at the moment because it was never properly released. And it's like it's the same guys, you know. It's like <laughs> yeah. the, it's the same, yeah. the same guitar player. He's been with me and still with me now. Yeah, you know the same uh, drummers, the same sort of wind players, the same well, singers. Uh, there's a lot that I want to unpack in this. What you've said because first of all, I love the idea of you know Daptone and Motown. Sun Records did that as well too, even mm. before it was. And, uh, and I, and yeah, I'm, I love that. And I also think what is really special about your label and, and I wish the folks at home would maybe pause for a second and, and go to your band camp. Let me get the address right here because it's like, when you hear the music, ATA records.bandcamp, ATA, just the letters records.bandcamp. And I mean, when you hear the music, you hear the studio that I can see behind you, you hear the tape, you hear the microphones, uh, and I, what I love about what you've done is that it actually sounds really good. So it's one thing to say, I'm going to try to get a sound or we want to have a sound. The thing with Blue Note is it did have a sound and and Motown, it really had a sound. Uh, and so to me, what, what do you think, uh, how, how much of a role does that quality uh, play for you? Because I, I think the music is, this, at least the sounds of the recordings and of course the professional musicians, I think that's a lot of it. it you, that's just oh, not something yeah, you can absolutely. fake. No, no, not at all. Like loads of people ask it, like in the sort of world that I'm in, like drum sound is an incredibly important thing. Yeah. And loads of folk are kind of like, how do you get that drum sound, man? How yeah. do you get that drum sound? And like, well, I start with either my drummer, Sam Hobbs, or the other drummer, Joost Hendricks. Those right. guys are, are just incredible. Right. You know, when they get behind a kit, it's just like... Pfft, what else do you need to do? Yeah. I just have to throw one mic up most of the time. But wow. one of the things that I find really interesting about sound that I noticed, so at points this has been a commercial studio because you need to yeah. earn a living, sure. right? Um, and what I would notice is the difference between, you know, with this gear, because this is all like 1960s, well, most of it is kind of like 1960s, 70s recording gear mm-hmm. that I'm very lucky to have, Yeah, right? And... Um, the what I would notice between that and maybe recording to a computer or something is guys would go through and they play and then they'd come through and they'd listen to playback and they'd be they they it'd sound like a record already mm-hmm. because of the quality of the equipment. Like that's the difference between like this gear from this period yeah. and uh, gear that we use uh, you know these days, which is more affordable to people, right. you know, and things. But this stuff it sounds like a record straight away. You know, I've been amazed so much. Like, like I just pull the fader up and I go, ooh, that's, that's my job done. You know what <laughs> that's I mean? so funny. Right. Uh, is there, there must be something about the fact that today we have these tools that are, you know, very, very crystal clear condenser microphones and they're going into these really high resolution converters and we're just left with this super naked sound that's like, yeah. It's like um it's like you're taking a picture or filming a scene and you've just p- 
put thousands of lights on it and everything's bright and it actually looks yeah. kind of ugly and, and it's like, I don't yeah. want to see that much information. Whereas, it's, correct me if I'm wrong, that analog is like, it's like the like a cinema where, where it's darkened and yeah. mysterious and yeah, yeah. ready to go. It's like, um, I, I often think, like today's recording equipment is like getting changed in an Ikea changing room. It's not Ikea, you know, <laughs> TK Maxx changing room. Do you know yeah, what I mean? You've got yeah. all these lights and you're thinking, oh God, I, I know, yes. You know, yeah. um, but For, the... Let's talk about you getting changed in Ikea changing rooms. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just admit to I something? I too there? many of those moments. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just look at that and just go, oh, No, God. but you're right. You're right when you're in a store. I talk about this with my wife all the time when we go shopping. It's like, turn those lights down. I don't want to see... Yeah, I don't want to see myself like that. You know, it's ruining the image of myself that I have in my head that's yeah, so carefully yeah. no, curated. So, so there is something, it's almost the, 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 the inferiorness of the old equipment is really, it's good. It turns out. Well, it, there, there's loads of like, there, there's loads of sort of uh, different takes on why it, you know, sounds the way it does. But one, one thing and I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with like today's recording equipment or anything like that. Like great music, you know, gets made with it absolutely no problem. And in fact, mm. sometimes better, you know, and mm. depending on what you're going for. Sure, that's right. Um, yeah. The but one thing I do think is that you have more of an inclination to fiddle with what you've got because it sounds so naked you know the yeah. the processing or making it sound good comes after the recording right if you know what i mean oh, or for a lot of people and for a lot of people anyway you know um so you have an inclination to maybe listen to that recording and go ah it doesn't sound good that mistake you know like yeah. that uh, the way i've played that snare or or my rhythm on the guitar there because it's so kind of bare it feels really obviously wrong. Whereas with this equipment, it just sounds human. Yeah. And you have, well, yeah. number one, you can't go in and, you know, fix a snare drum or something yeah. like that. Um, but it just it just feels more organic and human. And, you know, you're quite connected to it. So you overlook the mistakes. That's right. You know, it's yeah. like I, I spent a lot of my time... Uh, uh, when I was kind of like cutting my teeth in leads, I lived with a record collector for, mm. for a very long time, this good friend of mine who had a huge record collection and we just used to listen to stuff into the early hours of the morning. And some of your favourite sort of records or 45s is when you can hear the mistakes on stuff. Oh, right. You know, and it, yeah. it's kind of like, yeah. oh, wow, listen to, you know, I wonder how that got left in or why they didn't do another take or why is that piano so out of tune? You oh. know, and and things like that. And you, you kind of won't, you don't get that anymore. And and again, it's social. Unless, sort of, unless you're you know, intentionally recording mistakes yeah. yeah well and yeah I, it must have to do with tape because and and there's still t instances in the 90s and 2000s when bands are recording an analog to tape where you still hear mistakes mm. and i think yeah. it must have to do with the fact of like we can't afford to re-record this or we don't yeah. have the time you know like you yeah. said about somebody listening back to their take it's like of course i could maybe do a better take but yes it's not infinite data you know no and I, I was listening to a podcast where, you know, the uh, double bass player, Ron Carter, like no. famous jazz double bass player. Okay. Um, he's still knocking around. Yeah. And he did this really interesting podcast when he was talking um, about never hearing the playback. 
Oh. So this guy's cut hundreds of records, like hundreds yeah, of records. Yeah. And he's just like, well, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. We never got to hear the playback. Wow. And that really fascinated me again about, you know, like, I think what we're trying to do here, because I, I was just talking to my mate of mine before I came here, who's, who does our liner notes. And it's like, we're not trying to recreate a, a sort of era of music. We're just trying to put ourselves in the situation. Mm. in the same circumstances. Oh, interesting. And it's, it's kind of yeah. like, we've just finished a, a jazz album at the moment with a friend of mine who's, you know, he's he's in his 50s and he's been practicing, sax, like he still practices saxophone now. Mm. And he sounds, he's, he's just world class. He's one of my yeah. favourite musicians. Like I really have, I just think he's incredible. Like one of my missions with this label was actually to let the world hear this guy. Yeah. You know, because I was just awesome. like, he is so good. Um, but we did the album that we did. We wanted to follow the ethos of uh, sort of uh, late sixties, early seventies spiritual jazz musicians. You know, like yeah. a guy called Pharaoh Sanders or Alice Coltrane. Mm. And I was reading about them, and they were kind of saying, "No, oh, we didn't really rehearse. Like the less we rehearsed, That's right. the better these spontaneous performances were." And it's kind of like. I'll, with this album I was like there's something in that let's yeah. do that yeah. and this album that we've done is all first takes no real conversation about what we're doing like I had in my mind I'm like okay we're going to use these two chords you know we're going to have this idea in our heads you know and that's it and it was just like off we go Yeah. and we've got five five tracks four tracks four tracks on that album it's like 40 minutes of music oh wow that just wasn't discussed do you know what I mean? That's it was incredible. Just, yeah, just so, performed. So as we talk about this sound, and and I mean, I'm I'm sold. I love I love the idea. How how did you find your tribe of people who would also enjoy this song? Because and I mean, are you know people listening can go to Bandcamp and some of these records, you know, are supported by hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people have bought these records. So tell me, like, how did you find those people who would agree with you? Uh, that you know, and appreciate what you've created. See that 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 bit I find really interesting because, like, listen to your podcast, which I do regularly. I think it's <laughs> an amazing resource for anyone who's kind oh, of uh, thinking of doing this. Even like, I, I will suggest it to just music makers rather mm. than label owners or people wanting to start a label. It's just like. Here is a deep resource of understanding the geography right. of the you know music today, right. right? And I think we started. I had the idea for the label you know way back before this, but we kind of started the label in two thousand and fourteen, and I had been bugging a distribution company uh, based in London who distribute music like we you know, uh, labels that I knew and things like that. Sure. And they just wouldn't listen to me. They were like, I went through a phase of sort of like, I'm not even getting an answer to my message here. <laughs> uh, okay, I've tried a few more times. Six months later, I've got a grumpy answer to this message. <laughs> then like a year later, I'd maybe done something that they'd heard of. And then the guy kind of like said, look, what you need to do, because I, I, this was a bit naive of me. I was phoning up saying, I've got a great idea for this label. I'm, you know, I'm going to yeah. do this. And they're yeah. like, what label? You haven't got anything. Yeah. So he finally said to me, uh, this guy, uh, come back with a year's worth of releases. So me and my friend who was willing to start the label with me at that time, um, we went away into the studio and we recorded uh, 6.45, so 12 tracks. We did like... 14, 16, and whittled it down to 12 really good tracks. And yeah. We're like, right, we're going to release these as 45s. 
once every two months. That's how we're going to do it. Then we looked at, so the guy was like, yep, we'll give you a distribution deal. Wow. And then we looked into how much it was going to cost to release uh, sort of 12, uh, 645s. And like, wow, we don't have any money. So we can't <laughs> do that. Yeah. So, and this is uh, something I kind of suggest to a lot of people. You know, a lot of people like the, you can self-release most of the time now, can't you? You yeah. know, you don't really need labels, you know. But we had to find a label, you know, who kind of had the same idea as us. And they put out those 12 tracks as a compilation. Mm. Now, what we got from that was a leg up. We got quotes, we got, you know, radio play on, you know, that. so all of a sudden we'd just been taken up this Because much. of this distribution agreement? Because of the label, who, because we couldn't afford it. You know, we ended right. up going with this label who oh, pressed I it themselves. Okay. On, so it was under a different name, okay. uh, the label. Okay. So it, it wasn't ATA Records, it was uh, Here and Now. Okay. Uh, no, no, uh, oh fuck, I've forgotten the name. Forgotten the name, sure. <laughs> I might have called That's it something right. else there. But um, yeah, it is here and now, I think. Uh, so they gave this gave us this leg up because yeah. they had the money to press it. They had the contacts to sort of send it to and get press back. So all of a sudden we had this sort of interest around it. And then the money that we got from doing that short run of records, we then used to do our second record. Now, I think we were like, we were quite lucky. We were just quite lucky in what we did. Like the the second release that we did, kind of caught a bit of attention. It was kind of it's a a group called that we call the Sorcerers, which is okay. kind of um, taking its influence from Ethiopian jazz, but kind of put through our British kind of creative <laughs> funnel, if you know what I mean. Sure. So we kind of are trying to add this Ethiopian flavour to the sort of style of music that we do. And we ended up getting a quote by this... Uh, you know, you find some, some people are really love to hide their homework, don't they? Then other people are just like, no, 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 come on. Like, yeah, yeah, that's and true. there was this guy from a label called Strut, Strut, uh, Strut Records in the UK who put out a lot of kind of um, re-release a lot of stuff mm -hmm. from uh, that area of, of the world. And uh, we asked Quinton for a quote. He's like, could you give us a quote for this record? And he was like, ah, I can't really. I'll do you one better though. And he sent us back a photograph of uh, Malatu Estaki, who is like the godfather of Ethiopian jazz, with a set of headphones on, with his eyes closed, listening to our album. <laughs> you know, and a quote. And it's just like, wow. so that album, you know, it's it's like, yeah. we didn't even care if we sold any at that point. Yeah. We're like, don't care, Malatu yeah. Estaki has said it's great. <laughs> you know, we've got his seal of approval. Doesn't matter where it gets played now. But we had, we had quite good, you know, it just seemed to resonate quite well with that one. So, right we did all right. So we instantly kind of hit the ground running. And, when and did then you, after that... Sorry, when did sorry, you get a sense that that this type of music or this type, these type of re releases, because they're not really artist-centric releases, right? They're more about I know, right? the genre. So when did you get a sense, hey, this is clicking? Do you know, <laughs> I, I still don't know if I get a sense that it's clicking yeah. yet. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like where, you know, it's... Um, it's interesting, man. Because you've always got your eye on the next one. You're always kind yeah, of like, right, yeah. well, how do we make this yeah. better? How do it? So even when I talked to you for the first time, that was like the the first time I kind of felt like a little pat on the back. 
mm. if you know what I mean. Because right. it, it's you know you're you're stuck in this this bubble of of kind of like how can we do it better? How yes. can we reach? Yeah, more people, I remember we know? had that conversation. Yeah, I mean you didn't realize that you know you look at uh, the library archive that you released and you click on the more button of the people who've bought that record and it just keeps going and going and going and you know a lot of us myself included can can oftentimes struggle to sell 10 copies of a record and i'm clicking yeah, on this I, more button and it's not stopping right now i'm seeing you know supporter after supporter like it, that's insane again it's really nice to hear man because you you just got your head in it all the yeah, time i get you know it what I, I mean i get it yeah you know yeah but then then so we released a 45 after that one and that went really good as well so we got this idea like this is great let's just keep on releasing you know music and i i'm a bit stubborn about what i release like i'm kind of like i'm not going to tailor it to anyone yeah. you know what i mean yeah. I'm, like and the next thing that we released was like a really downbeat um 45 this i love it it's a great <laughs> piece of music but it completely bombed okay. <laughs> you know like nobody <laughs> you know nobody was yeah. interested it's like yeah. we've made it on 45 no one can dance to it right. you know so yeah, why, yeah. why are they going to play it so you know then we went down and then um a friend of ours came on board with an album um is his uh uh name is abstract orchestra and he does big band versions of kind of like hip-hop stuff mm. and then it just started to pull up again you know and it's it's interesting though it's um and that was the mf doom record right yeah 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 that 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 was that yeah and uh then then we we, st we started to so i think maybe we maybe got a false idea of how how well we were doing to begin with if you know what I mean, yeah. I think we we kind of struck lucky on those those first first few things that we put out, um, and then we sort of slowly kind of clawed it back, and like finding that fan base, it's really interesting. It's like how do you go about? You know, we had a business guy come on board, right? And he had a look at our our website was the first one. So we're still working as a business, right? Mm -hmm. We're pressing records we're selling those records yeah. you know so it's kind of like okay this is good you know it's it's not kind of going under and um he had a look at our website and he says you've got zero traffic on your website mm -hmm. you know, just just nothing yeah you know he's like just imagine how well you could do if you sorted yeah the business end out you know yeah. um so I'm, I'm quite fascinated now by especially from listening to your podcast just about how because the 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 world is open to all of us, isn't it? You know, music creators, 100%. and it's just about finding your your group, as you said. You know, your your family of people who are like, I'm really into that. Well, that's one of the things you I know? find so fascinating about you and the potential that your label has is that some of the stuff that you can't control and that's hard to achieve is the is the music and and not mm. just the quality of the music, but does it resonate with a certain group of people? And then the other thing is is that unique identity, which I preach so often. And you yeah. have those two things and you have them doubled more than most people. So the other things that you're talking about, like SEO or you know uh, distribution, those things are kind of easier to go out and get. And so I, I just find yeah. like you have the, you have a lot more potential because a lot of people are like, oh, I figured I have a great website, but I don't yet have that tribe or I mm. don't yet have that music. Yeah. Do, yeah. do you have a, a customer avatar in mind, uh, like an average customer type 
uh, a personality in such a way that you can sign an artist or create a product and know that it'll get your audience excited? I mean, have you come to That's a point? Interesting. I don't think I've come to a point yet with that. And I, I kind of feel like our, our customer base is, is quite narrow at the moment. Okay. You know, I, I yeah. kind of want to try and really expand on that. But, but, um, but what about the, is there a common denominator in the releases that have been successful for you? Hmm. I don't, I don't think so. Okay. See, that's the interesting thing. I don't yeah. think so. Like sometimes the people who come in, like for one thing, don't, translate over to the other sure you know and yeah, it's, it's kind of that's i kind of i kind of think maybe it's going to be a while before the the whole thing kind of you know joins up <laughs> if you know what i mean but, as you but you make were, more releases but you tell me that when you release something and Bandcamp, your Bandcamp followers get the notification it, it, yeah there's usually a good response is that not is that true? Yes. Yeah, there is. And yeah. like we, we just like today we've got a release coming out and I, it's the first time I've taken on a younger artist that's outside of my circle of people that I work with. Okay. And this right? is like that, a different genre too, right? No, it's, it's still in that kind of um, jazz idiom. You know, he's still got like a yeah. firm foot in that. Like one of the reasons I... I think it's a, like, I really liked the record. He yeah. brought it to me, you know, <laughs> you that say, helps. You say that it? about all of your releases, which is so, it's so cute. It's like all of us <laughs> label owners should like our, these records. Yeah, yeah. We should be the biggest uh, fan. <laughs> absolutely. And um, it had, like, jazz that I don't like is is sort of like highbrow jazz, right? Okay. okay. I prefer jazz that appeals to a broader range of people. Yeah. That doesn't mean that it doesn't have to have kind of like out there elements to it or things right. like that, yeah. but it has to have like, I feel like a sense of grounding or something. Yes, in it. that's right. And yeah, it's I not agree. all, I agree. Like it's um, people trying to tell a story or paint a picture, not show you how good they are at an instrument, you know? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. on the, on this record, I really felt that I, I really got that feeling, mm. you know, from this this guy's records, and um, he's a completely un, unknown artist, if you know what I mean. It's his first pr like proper vinyl release, I think, mm. and we managed to get great pre-orders. He did this like the reason why you might be thinking it's uh, something slightly else is he's really into modular synths. Yes, right. I think so. I, he yeah. did this. We did this really good thing where um, we were knocking heads together. And again, this is, you know, like listening to your podcast, you know, how how can you, what can you give to make the your fans experience, you know, like as, as good as, you know, something yeah. special and yeah. things. And we're kind of like, what can we do? So because he was into modular synthesizers, he kind of did this remix using the audio stems oh, okay. from the album. Oh, I see. And... He kind of made sixty-five minute kind of remixes that the no two are the same. So it's oh, like cool. we've kind of given everybody their own private piece of music. Oh, that's awesome! And all those pre-orders went before release, and I was like, "That's amazing!" I was so that's what's so exciting in a in a way. Like these people have belief. Do you know what I mean? They won't all be ATA yeah. fans, you know, but there'll be a large chunk of them that were. Yeah. And they've kind of gone, yeah, I want to I want to get behind that. 
Well, know? and I think what you're what you're talking about is I really truly believe that nobody is really a fan of a record label in the sense that I'm a fan of the words ATA records, yeah. you know, in this, you know, and Motown had an ethos and they had, a, looking back now, we can say, oh, there was a purpose behind them and a mission statement. But, you know, yeah. I, I, it's really what people are interested in, in the feeling and, and the aesthetic that you've created and that ATA yeah. represents. And so that's and why, that's what, yeah. That's what I was thinking, you know, when you were saying it, like I was saying about the, it all meeting up, mm -hmm. it's only, I think it's almost like a lonely when hopefully, yeah, I'm kind of in this for the long haul, I've got yeah. no choice, you know, yeah. um, when people look back, they're going to see that kind of body of work. That's right. I, I like the idea of people looking through albums and kind of going, oh, wow, that's that guy that did this album who's playing tenor on this or... Well, that's got that guy's project who played drums on all these things. So you then, know? how much of that has been intentional for you? Because when I look at your Bandcamp page, I see a consistency in the artwork in the sense that there is like kind of a geometric look. And then, yeah. for the most part, I would say nine, 100% of the records have the ATA logo in the top right corner. So yeah. that to me has got like you're thinking a little bit about crate diggers, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. I like. One thing, and and I don't often like music that people make when they make it with the intention of trying to get it sampled, right? That's a thing, isn't it? You know, I 100% like, agree, yeah. You know, yeah. and it's like, well, you're not yeah. really understanding what makes a good sample, <laughs> yeah. you know? But I like to think I like to make music that people might like to sample you know like i'm not making it for a sample <laughs> you know but it's I, like by in my genre it's the same thing with playlists people are like yeah. they will write songs that will sound good on a spotify playlist and and i totally i hate that and i could probably <laughs> i could probably do that in an hour create something that i know would go well on on the certain type yeah. of playlist but i i hate that but i do see your other side of it it's like but at the same time, I could do something that I'm yeah. proud of that will still work. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> when you listen, like uh, when you, I, I don't, I, I spent all my money on studio gear, right? Where yeah, other mates same. of mine spent all their money on records, right? Yeah, so yeah. I just kind I, of, I split it, I've got, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got an okay record collection, but my some of my friends have just like, like it's just a, such a resource yeah you know some of these guys have like mixed cloud accounts and it's just like your university is there do you know yeah, what i mean it's yeah. like i've got a friend who's got like i don't know how many hours he's got up on mixed cloud of stuff that he's curated and mm. and digged for you know yeah and it's like you put on some of those and you kind of like listen to like the drum break at the beginning of a tune that then turns into some sort of 60s lounge thing and yeah. you're like how did that how did that drum drum break and you know how did yeah. that come about and right. then turn into this right you know so i think that's what I'm, yeah that thing of ju of just like something on there that someone might want to lift at some point well if i'm making sense so um is that well a couple one of the other thoughts just going back to this recorded sound is i honestly think one of the things that is creating your label or or helping your label thrive in which I and I and I hope it'll help your label thrive in the future is that a lot of what the type of music that's being made today is in the box and it's it's even if it has an enormous amount of character and and lo-fi music does but 
Hmm. For people who know, you can hear that it's that it's one plugin over over you know applied to yeah. something, and it it it's really starting to sound homogenous. And yes, I, I know that like I'm a grumpy old man, and you're a grumpy old man. We're 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 you know uh, we're shaking our fists at the kids on our lawn. But I I I do kind of think that real uh, musicians in the studio playing real instruments that is really hard to replicate and i think yeah. that that's what to me is what's making your label shine a little bit it's like oh finally real real people recording this in real time yeah i love it i love it they're just you know getting in <laughs> getting in a room being able to do that like it's a really lucky position to be in you know I've, like even in the the harder times go remind yourself that it's like it's just it's just such a great experience you know and it's um people can't afford to record like this you know i've been lucky to be able to find the equipment at a time and just dig in for it to be honest with you like yeah. i dig for equipment rather yeah. than records you know yeah and i've bought all this stuff on a shoestring and sort of you know hustled my way to having it and it's just like oh man it's like people people don't get access to this kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, so it's, there's a, there's lots of different factors, you know, and it's kind of like, I wish more people did have access to this kind of stuff. Yeah. You know. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I really, really enjoy it. There, there is, that is the thing that I want to translate. I remember I was listening to, because I, I treated myself to digging for a stereo. <laughs> I didn't spend a lot of money. Yeah. I was just like, right, I'm going to dig for a stereo. I'm going to yeah. find like a nice uh, sort of valve, you know, something at home that I could really enjoy yeah. listening to music on. And I think it's a worthwhile investment if you're a musician and, you know, a writer or whatever, yeah. a producer of music, you get to hear how stuff really, how good it can yeah. sound. And I was listening to, we put on, um, I think it was Jimmy Cliff, The Harder, Harder They Come. Okay. I think, I think it was. But you could hear the room. You could mm. hear that, like this, like you're in the middle of this performance. Yeah, and you can hear the room. You can hear everybody in the room, and it's just kind of like to strive for those kind of moments. Mm. You know that that's one of the things. Like, like I'd like to that I'm trying to do is trying to capture these moments. It's like this wasn't cobbled together. This is, you know, we, we've got a, a singer on the label who's just jaw dropping, and I remember there. She's on a, th a thing called The Magnificent Tape Band is this album that I, I'm sort of talking about, mm. right? And we did a song. So I was working on that 16-track uh, behind me there. Mm -hmm. And I think we recorded the whole of the vocals, I think in two days, like the main vocals, right? Sure. Uh, so that was like 10 tracks, maybe sort of like four or five a day. And um, she's such a great singer. Like... I've got, I've still got it on the reel. One of these songs is a kind of gospel because she grew up singing in church, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of got a kind of gospel kind of thing to it. And uh, this tr this take, you've got, I've got two of these takes. You could use either, either take. They're both incredible. And she's just sang that from start to finish. Yeah, That kind of blows my head off. You know, yeah. it's kind of like to be in that moment from start to finish. Yeah. That's, you know, I, well, and it's, it's not. It requires talent if you're not comping the vocals, right? If you're not taking a bunch yeah. of takes and picking the best. 
Have you, have you watched like? And I'm not saying it's like wholly um, unique, you know, to this place or the people that come yeah. to this place because it's not. It's like happens in all over all over the place, you know. Um, but to to capture that in this way. Well, that, that's what's kind of special about music for me, you know, like the things that I connect to. Um, but I don't know, did you watch the Beatles? You watched the Beatles, dog? We might have talked about this already. I, w- I watched about four of the 16 hours, uh, maybe about Excellent. a third of the way through it, yeah. Well, the, there's there's a bit on the end of it. Um, <laughs> I was about to make a terrible joke. I was about to say, I'm not going to spoil it for you, you know, but they break up. Um, <laughs> but they... Um, and on the last bit, there's a clip of Paul McCartney doing the long and winding road. Mm. And what's really interesting is, like, you're just watching the guy in the studio and it's just like, right, ready? Bang. I'm not going to sing long and winding yeah, road yeah. because this is being recorded. <laughs> yeah. But he just goes straight into that sort of opening of long and winding road and you just notice there's no there's no change for him mm. as a person. Do yeah. you know what I mean? He's Paul McCartney. He's yeah. the Paul McCartney that we hear. He just goes straight into that tune like a record right and that's kind of what blows my head off sometimes is these people's ability to just be in that that moment you know and that that's that's what you find here actually this is a bit of a baptism by fire actually if you're not able to kind of be in that that moment and sustain that thing yeah you know whether whether that's a ham-fisted thing or a really perfectly executed thing they're they're one in the same thing, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just being able to stay in stay in that moment. Yeah. You know, without kind of coming out of it. Well, so I, I does your label enable you to do what you love when it comes to collecting collecting this gear and and recording? Is it like what role does the label play? Because it sounds like your your initial passion is is this gear and recording amazing musicians in and making these authentic records. What role does the label play in that passion? Oh, well, <laughs> like I'm, I'm hoping at, at one point the label will start being able to support the studio so I can actually get all this gear fixed um, and working. It's, it's, uh, it's, it is just a vehicle for us to create this music, mm. you know, at, at mm-hmm. the end, at the end of the day, you know. It's an excuse to create this music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes I think about this stuff, man. It's hard to find an answer sometimes. Sure. You know, it's like I've just always wanted to write and record music. Yeah. And I guess I'm I'm quite stubborn. You yeah. know that the podcast that you just released it about, you know, the long not the long game, but you know, yeah. it takes time. Yeah. yeah. And your resolve, you know, you find out about your resolve. Yes. And it's kind of like I've found out about my resolve. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is what I want to do. It's, yeah. So you know. So and, is the top priority for you making this music? Is it the creation process and everything else supports that, or or, or how does it rank? Mm. I think that I think the top priority is is making it, but unfortunately, like, or not unfor- unfortunately, like I've been finding out because you'll know this, you know, through our the reason I got in touch with you is I took over the business side right. of this label. Um, I don't know six months ago. So it's been running about seven years, I think. And I was really good at avoiding the business side because I really fucking love this side of it. You know what I mean? Like, this is where I, I, you know, I'm happiest, know what I'm doing. You know, I feel like this is where my experience is best put to use. I'm not very good at all that other side. And Mm. I I ended up avoiding all of it and then ended up having to take it over. 
And what I have found over the last six months is what has taken priority is learning about running a business, mm. you know, and the reality of that. And the reality of that has meant I don't get to come down here and record yeah. in the same yeah. way as I did before. Now, hopefully that is not a permanent situation because it's just, it's a, a steep learning curve and I've got to get that underhand and I'm very lucky in that my partner's going to be taking over a lot of that business side but we have to learn about it first mm. together she's never done a, a record label sure. you know so we're in this kind of like big learning process oh so, so you're, you're bringing on somebody new yeah oh yeah, okay to, to sort of like my my partner because she's incredibly well organized um can you can you tell me then? I, I forgot to ask you this, and I think our, our listeners might know. But give us a, a short history of how this started seven years ago, and then to where we are now. Okay, so going back a bit further, I I'd, I'd, I'd just always been interested in studios. Yeah, uh, sorry, like making music. Yeah, I'm. You know, my my training is as a bass player, and I I write music, right? And uh, I. Before I had a studio, I used to have an eight-track tape machine that I used to use in the uh, basement of a nightclub that I worked in very regularly. So okay. we'd go down there and record. <laughs> um, and then we found this place about 15, maybe 16 years ago, which is a set of garages, actually. And oh, okay. me and my friend, a Hammond organ player, we sort of started building a studio here. Yeah. Um, and since I started, you know, the studio, I'd always had in my mind of calling it all things analog. That's what my recording studio was, right. because this desire to do things yes. analog. Yeah. And I like, is it, they called acronyms. I like acronyms sure. on yeah. labels, you yeah. know. Uh, so ATA was, was like, that's what it was called. And then I was like, well, I want to start a, a label. You know, yeah. don't know why. But yeah, I, was, yeah. I was like, right, well, I'm going to start a label. And, and that was maybe about 2010. And I made my first, I kind of locked myself in here for about nine months. I didn't shave, had a beard, <laughs> sort of down to there. And and kind of, you know, learned about recording and writing and, and yeah. all this kind of stuff properly. Um, and then I wanted to start a label, but I didn't know how. And as I say, I'm not very good at that kind of stuff. So I was kind of looking for someone to do it with me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? To take... Yeah the reins in that that sense and I asked a few people and they were kind of not interested then a friend of mine I hadn't been in touch with for quite a long time who was also a musician I asked him first time he wasn't that interested second time you know he kind of went for it so we started the label in in 2014 I think and then come sort of around the sort of covid time things uh, just started to, like you said you know about the long haul yeah. you know you find people kind of go off in that's different right. directions yeah. and our directions you know yeah, we went that's off totally in, natural yeah yeah and so it then be, became apparent that you know we should sort of go our separate ways on that and um and that's when it was like right i have to run a label now mm. you know he was very good at leaving me a lot of information you know, and sort of help with that stuff, but that's someone else's methods and yeah. you've got to oh, that's learn tough. your yeah, own that's way, tough. don't yeah. you? Yeah. You yeah. know, so so that that's where I'm at now. It's like six months down the line. Man, it's 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 been tough. It's yeah. been really tough. Like so what part of the job? Because I mean we've we you've obviously got making the records and finding the artists, but so what part of the job uh, what part of the business side of the job are you struggling with? Is is is, is do you find the 
so it's it's almost like each each aspect of it's like a different hat, isn't it? Mm-hmm, you know, it's mm-hmm. like and a and a different skill set to get your head round. So the first thing that I kind of got my head round, which you like, I remember this phrase uh, I've that you kind of said to me a few times. I just keep on remembering this: money on the table, because at the end of the day, the label's got to make money, right? You know, and one of the right. problems, sort of like around sort of that COVID time or whatever. I realized that because I, I did a massive studio renovation and I, I realized I was still doing a lot of stuff for nothing. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's it's like, I'm, you know, I've in, invested in all this equipment. I, you know, I'm putting in all the time to record it, write it, get people involved, everything, mix it, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. And it's like, still, I'm not really drawing any money mm-hmm. from it, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. even though it was doing okay as a business. Um so it's like money on the table, like you say. It's like I've got to make primarily make this work for me and my family. You know, mm-hmm. I've, got, I've got to bring money home. I've got to justify yeah. doing what I'm doing. Um, and so the first thing I got my head around was emails. Um, like the I've noticed that I'm on your mailing list. I, I noticed it. It's great. I really enjoy it. Good. For I you. really enjoy and it. You're, you've been it's very consistent. A, Oh, thank you. I've I've had someone kicking my arse with it as well, uh, a sort of business advisor who came on with the label and has stayed on to mm-hmm. sort of help me, who's been invaluable as well. So like that email marketing thing, and this is kind of why I think, you know, there's, there's a, a slice, is that a good way of putting it? There's something out there for musicians you know mm. what i mean to carve their own career yes. and their own yeah. living and it's just understanding a lot of the mechanics of the other side of things so like i find it quite easy to talk to people about what i'm doing you know so i can genuinely talk to people in the emails you know yes and yeah that's very true and that's and that's great you know because it's it's really like a two it feels like a two way thing you know it's like are you hearing back from people are people responding and I, purchasing I when do, you send I do, an email yeah they are that yeah. that's and like the money on the table thing it's like i have no excuse now to avoid sending an email that's right because yeah. at the end of the day when i send an email people might buy something so it's like 100% yeah and that actually go just to kind of highlight what you've been talking about and this is a, a, something I'm actually developing um, that I'll be releasing soon this concept of income generating activities where you know when you look cuz a lot of us who run labels are are individuals we're just one mm. person usually and we have to look at our to-do list and some people are fortunate to work 9 to 5 on their label and some people have to work five till nine you know after mm. their real job and and so it's important to not waste time subconsciously on emails or things that feel like we're being busy, but to yeah. actually identify what, what is the, if I can only do two things tonight while I'm working on this label, what are the, what are the things that are going to put money on the table? Like we've talked about and and you know, email is one of those things where people respond and people buy things and, and uh, you know, or working out a sync deal or something, you really should be focusing on stuff that sustains the label. Absolutely, absolutely, and it, it's really blown my head off. Like that, you. I think you did an episode about emails, possibly. Is yes, that right? Yes. Yeah. Not too long ago. Yeah. And that thing about and how they are the, the, the sort of they're the longest standing means of mm-hmm. digital communication, yeah. and they outlast everything. Yeah. And it's just like, do it. So now I'm, I'm kind of not obsessed with the idea, but I'm, kind of, I'm kind of like, how do I get more e- emails? 
<laughs> you know, so that, yeah. that's really very yeah, smart. Like, yeah. And and I I need to I've been trying to sort of find time to do another clarity call with you because I'm, I'm kind of like wanting to see how I can expand on that and how how I can do that better. Yeah. But then then I think you did an episode of, like so so being able to uh, talk authentically and like that's that's what's really lucky about this email communication thing. Mm-hmm. It's like it's not it's I'm not trying to be anything. You know I'm I'm yeah. just. Like I, I'm just uh, concentrating my communication, yeah. you, you know, to try and tell people what we're doing, you know, and try and pull back the curtain a little bit, give them more insight into the experience of of kind of like what we're trying to do here. Well, I, you know, I, you know email is another thing that I is just insane if people are not using it and and not know, doing right? well and in any sector but definitely as musicians independent musicians independent labels and i would suggest for people to come on, hop on your mailing list and i'd also suggest for people to hop on other labels mailing list just to see yeah. the how often people the frequency and and yeah. But yeah i mean you're sending out really simple emails they don't have to be elegant at all they can just be text with some album covers uh, you're speaking in the first person, and uh, that just works, <clears throat> and it's easy to pull off. And that thing that you just said there, like going on other people's mailing list, because I've done that. I remember mm. thinking, "Oh shit!" Like, I wonder how Scott would have put this and had a look at some of your emails. Going, yeah. right? Oh, cool. That's given me an idea Good. of you know Good. how how I can shape yeah. this or yeah. or pitch it. And it it's it's it is really interesting because it's difficult because you've got to be your own motivator mm-hmm. to like go and learn all these things. Yeah. But this is what excites me: the information's out there. You know, if you you yeah. know once you start scratching around, it's like, oh well, go and look at some other record labels. You know, and how they do things. My, you know, and how they communicate. You know, my favorite quote that I heard a year ago, and it's my like I just think it's so relevant in in life is. It's it's simple, but it's not easy. And I yeah. think like the success of running a label is very simple. It's a, there's a very simple formula where we've been talking about a lot of it today, but it's not easy. It's, it's still no. gonna, it's still going to take five to ten years. You know? It's, yeah. It's like yes. it's yeah. like getting a six pack. The formula to get yeah. a six pack is quite simple. Everybody knows how yeah. to do it, and everybody's capable of doing it. But it's probably the hardest thing you could ever Man, do. It's, it's like you, you said it in a in a. I think you probably said it this way as well. But my uh, the guy that's been on board coaching me with the business stuff has been saying it as well. There's no silver bullet. Yeah. And I just I, yeah. like these phrases just go round my head all yeah. day. I have to remind myself. Yeah. You know, each morning or right. There's no silver bullet. What small step can you do today? You mm-hmm. know, to get a few more emails. You know, yeah, that's or, right, or something like that. What, like, yeah, there's no silver bullet. It's these tiny little increments yep. that just steadily grow the thing. And and I do think sometimes I look at other label successes, and I've, man, this is one of yours as well. And I always try and remember this: stop looking at other people, or <laughs> sorry, stop measuring yourself yeah, against other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, yeah. And it's kind of like because I sent you that YouTube video thing that I did, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I really like that thing that you were saying about YouTube as well and how that can really push, because it's suddenly all starting to click with me, the idea of what social media is. And it's just, like the reason you do, like we used to have this thing, Instagram I can do, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It seems dead easy. It's just like, I'm just like filming interesting yeah. bits of, you know, your day 
and talking about them. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do fucking Facebook. And you're like, oh, I don't, don't even know what Twitter is. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but the thing about them all, the reason why you do them all is to get all these different touches, yes. you know, because I do it myself. I, I am now quite aware of how I behave um, when I'm engaging with something. That's right. So it's like you see an album and yeah. they're like, this album's coming out now. And I'm like, shit, I want that album. I really want that yeah. album. Okay, I'm not going to buy it. Yeah. You know, and you close the email. And then you might see it on Facebook. And it takes like all these different prompts for me to go, do you know what? I will buy that album. Yeah. It takes seven. You know, seven is the, is the like the, people have studied it. I believe the number is seven. Yeah, seven different touch that, points. So that's the idea yeah. of now I understand why I have to do Twitter, and, Facebook, that's Instagram, right. and, if and an email. And if your insights on Instagram are low, and if you're only getting a few people looking at your stories, that it's it really it's just part of the job you know you should still be doing mm. it because it, it is just one of those touch points for people and we really yeah. can't measure we can't measure what was the tipping nope. point for how why yeah, someone yeah. finally decided to come to your band camp exactly yeah. and i th here's something i think about as well i'm kind of like so i think i was quite lucky in the you know we when we started the label it's almost like we were just on the last cusp of not um not fully digital mm -hmm. kind of world, mm -hmm. if you know mm -hmm. what I mean, yeah. where, you know, these days people are excited about likes, you know, rather right. than an actual record sale or something. So we, we were just on the cusp of that. And I used to sort of like look at other labels that I looked up to, like something like Daptone or whatever. And I was kind of like, well, they're not having, they don't have an Instagram account, you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're yeah. like their success is embedded in sure. the real world, you yeah. know, before this all happened. So I was thinking to myself, like with YouTube. So I'm really interested in YouTube now. And like you were saying in your thing about how that increases your, what is it, the Google kind of, uh, not algorithm, you get shoved well, like up that yeah, Google yeah, list Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's true. You know. Well, because Google owns YouTube. So when you're searching on Google for something, a YouTube, a YouTube video will be one of the search results because yeah. they want to promote it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I found like that thing. So I started thinking, like I sent you that YouTube video. I was like secretly quite pleased with myself. You yeah, know, it was that, great. That I'd, I'd, I'd done this thing. And I was, I've done a few others like that with bits of equipment and things. And that seems to get a lot of traction. And you're kind of like, I, th I think I'm, I'm being a bit judgmental on myself, kind of going, well, surely I should be able to just have success with the music i shouldn't need a youtube channel that kind of shows yeah, you all my yeah. little bits of equipment right. do you know what yeah. i mean that's kind of going around yeah. my head but it's like but we live in a different world now don't we and it it doesn't matter how you get the, it's it's how you're collecting those people because i don't gig i don't take the, no. the axe out right yet you know and, I, and things like that that's right and i yeah the cream doesn't always rise to the top it's it does there is a there's an element of luck to it and mm. yeah there's a yeah, and there's also an element of doing things that we don't want to do. And for some of us, that's social media. Yeah. Some of us, that's accounting. You know, yes. Some of us, that's mixing a record or mastering a record. But yeah, it, it's it is. Um, yeah, that's kind of part of it, for sure. For sure. Yeah, it's. Well, yeah, I think that's. I think it's incredible, and and I'm glad. I, I can see for you too that you have kind of identified this avatar, especially because you are email is working, and email is. A little bit more of a slower paced type of interaction mm. with as opposed to the social media feeds. 
And so that mirrors the type of people who would buy these records. I know that you, we've talked before that you have, and we didn't have time to, to discuss it today, but you've had success at retail, right? You have distributors yeah. who carry your records and that yeah. plays a big role. And so when you start to look at these things, and and again, I wouldn't discard social media, although I would if you if you were overwhelmed, if you were feeling overwhelmed, yes. because I wouldn't want to it to affect making the music or getting music into record stores or the emails, if those things are, yeah. are the, the big pigs. If if you had to drop something um, or your your family was going to leave you, then you would, you know, it might be the social media. So, <laughs> but I, you know, I think I'm looking at you and I'm starting to see there are, your tribe is made up of people who open emails, people who like these older records, people who like vinyl. Um, yeah. And I th think that's important for labels to kind of start to see a common denominator amongst all of yes. the, their, their forms of communication and start to create this customer, ideal customer. Yeah. And when you were saying about dropping stuff as well, when I took over the label, the first thing I dropped was postage fulfillment. Because mm. it's just like, it just takes out like, the guy yes, who was yeah. helping me advising me was like, crazy one. send that to somebody else because, you know, you don't even know how to write an email. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I'm, I'm panicking and stressing about, yeah. you know, sitting in front of a computer and, you know, what am I going to say and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So, but the interesting thing about that, that, you know, sort of four or five months, luckily we weren't posting a lot of stuff at that point, but it really got to me that I couldn't have a direct connection with the customers mm -hmm. you know with mm -hmm. giving fulfillment to somebody else it's like well what if i want to put a message in you know sure. what if i want to like all those little ideas that yeah. you were talking yeah, about that's you know to make yeah. customer experience much yeah. better it doesn't cost us a lot does it you know yeah to get stickers made to get postcards made to yeah. you know get special screen prints made but I, there's this label that um called uh mps a german uh that did jazz it's a, it's a great place. It's basically, basically a very rich man in the 60s uh, sort of time. He had a studio in his house, beautiful okay. studio, and he just used to get like all his favourite jazz musicians yeah. over and made records. So recently, I don't know if the record label ever folded, but they've started repressing stuff. And it's all kind of like straight from the master tapes, right? Mm -hmm. But when you see these sort of packages that you get, they're outstanding. They're really beautiful kind of. And I was like, I, I, I want to buy that. Yeah, you know, because yeah. I, I really, that's a strange thing to say, but I really felt valued when I got the record. Oh, yeah. You know, and I'm like I, looking I, through the booklet and yeah, the pictures yeah. of the master tapes and all this. And I'm like, oh, well, I feel good about my purchase. Well, you know, that that's something that you can be working towards. It's not mm. something you don't need to do a million things at once. And like we talked about last week, you yeah. don't have to grow. You know, you can't grow as big as you want to be on day one or in year one. Um, mm. th so that's totally fine for you to be like, that's my goal when I have an in-house production designer, you know, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the, the goal for sure. Yeah, no, I, I get that. That's a, it's a great experience for customers. Uh, uh yeah. But I mean, any, I, oh my gosh, listen, I could be talking about this forever Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I could be talking about your gear forever. I was watching some of your videos about, um, the Mellotron. And uh, I love that thing. That's a that's a. I, I obsessed over the Mellotron for years. It was <laughs> I was kind of looking for one. Yeah, 
I even knew of one that was was at someone's house 20 years ago and they moved out and when they came back, it had gone. And I was like, maybe the Mellotron's still there, uh-huh. you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and knocked yeah. on site, you know? So yeah. yeah, the Mellotron's great, isn't it? It's a That's beautiful awesome. thing. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm sure it's a headache to keep functioning. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Neil, congrats on all the success of your label. And I'm excited for our, our listeners to check you out and to get inspired by what you've done. And your model is the model I think that peop- a lot of people should do, which is to kind of create something very specific and to serve a very specific niche and a specific type of person. Um, because I feel like you have a better chance of getting a small amount of people hyper excited about what you do uh, than trying to get the masses, you know, relatively interested. That's a, a harder task. So congrats. Oh, thanks, man. Thank you for everything. You know, like it's uh, that this podcast, as I say, it's just a, a great lifeline, you know, to oh, go that's in, great to hear. dive into, you know, whenever you're feeling like uh, a little bit uh, like you don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> that's good to hear. Thank you all for listening. Check out ATA Records by going to ATA, that's just A-T-A, three letters, records.bandcamp.com. Make sure you're on our new mailing list by going to otherrecordlabels.com insights. You'll want to be on that mailing list because a couple really big things, some really cool things are coming out in the next couple of months. So you'll want to make sure you're notified about that. But you also want to make sure you're getting our new weekly newsletter that is just goes more in depth. And it's not a newsletter. It's it's a it's it's um, something that's meant to give you something to take away that you can apply with your record label this week. Uh, and it's also something that's meant to inspire and to encourage you on your journey. So go to otherrecordlabels.com slash insights to sign up. Thanks for listening. <laughs>